So as we talked about yesterday, we had the tit for tat going back and forth with the diplomats where we had Canada expelling a Chinese diplomat for their involvement in the, um, well, what MP Michael Chong calls an intimidation effort uh, targeting him and his family uh, in Hong Kong. So we expelled uh, Chinese diplomat Zhao Wei from uh, Canada for interfering in Canadian politics. That happened, and almost immediately after that, um, the Chinese embassy booted a Canadian diplomat working in Beijing. So that's gone back and forth. But is that the end of it? No. China has said that won't be the end of it. They plan to do other things. So uh, I think everybody gets concerned about the economic might of China and how it could affect us here in Canada. So what are the possibilities that we could see more retaliation from China in the area of trade? And if we did, what might that look like? We're going to chat now with Carlo Dade, who is director of the Trade and Investment Center for the Canada West Foundation. Carlo, thank you so much for joining us. I do appreciate your time. Hey, my pleasure. Let's just start. Are, are you anticipating some sort of economic, I don't know if be it sanctions, or, or some sort of economic uh, retaliation from China uh, following all this back and forth this week? Well, if one looks at the, the recent history of China's um, economic slash political uh, conflicts or, or confrontations globally. Take the case of Australia, with which some of the listeners may be familiar. You certainly did see the expansion of political difficulties to the economic realm. The same with Norway when they invited the Dalai Lama to visit. There was a cut to salmon exports. So given precedent, certainly, I'd, uh, it would not be unsurprising. It would be expected to see that. And I know there's a lot of concern in Canada's agricultural community because that's been targeted before, right? We can look at pork. We can look at canola. I mean, canola producers are still just getting over the last round of economic tit-for-tat. Right. And, you know, (laughs) with canola, too, we have to remember that there was political one could use the words involvement uh, at at both ends. When Prime Minister Trudeau visited China and encouraged China to sign a, I think it was a 10-year deal to increase canola exports, canola uh, producers were quite happy, and there were boom times. But certainly, um, with China cutting uh, Canadian imports, though, that gets a little more hazy. China was smart enough or diabolical enough to actually build a case for cutting Canadian canola. Um, They claimed that there were phytosanitary violations. They logged those well in advance. They kept repeating them. So there is some fuzziness around that. From our side in Canada, we're clear it was political. But you know, China's got an alibi, and um, they did some work to to to, to make that case. Um, do you think that's probably, if we're going to see some sort of economic retaliation, it will come in the ag sector? Is that what your expectation is? I think so. Yeah. If you look at the trade patterns between uh, yeah. China and, and and Canada, coal um, is another. Uh, thing that we export quite a bit of, but can China afford to cut coal and have cities go dark? Um, with agriculture, there are more opportunities to buy things on the global on the global market uh, to move goods around. We've certainly seen that in the case of the Americans uh, during the U.S.-China trade war, uh, when China imposed retaliatory tariffs on American agriculture, you certainly did see a shift in the U.S. But quick note there, 
the U.S. Treasury stepped up and the Department of Agriculture stepped up with the blank checkbook to help U.S. farmers uh, who supported the trade war, Trump and the trade war, and uh, they were covered. I don't know that we have the capacity to do that in Canada. Okay, gotcha. That makes good sense. Um, we, we talk a lot about this on the air, and, and we always hear from listeners saying, well, we need to do a better job here and bring in more sanctions against Chinese goods. I mean, what wh- what is the reality? We, 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 we sit here and talk about what China can do and what we're worried about what China might do in terms of an economic um, battle back and forth or a trade war, if you will. What, what, what's our capacity to sort of push back on that? It, do we, you know, I mean, obviously we're the smaller player, but what can we do? Wow, you know, that's a great question. Um, and it's one that really doesn't get asked too much. Uh, you, you see the other news outlets rushing to call for things like sanctions. Two yeah. points here. One, the U.S. tried this, the U.S.-China trade war. Under President Trump, the Americans imposed tariffs and sanctions on on Chinese goods. You did see this have an impact on the volume of exports, uh, or sorry, the volume of imports uh, from the U.S. to China, and when China retaliated, vice versa. So those imposition of tariffs did move trade, as would be expected. The question is how much. That is the important question. And there you saw significant declines in some um, U.S. imports from China, but in others you actually saw growth. And in areas where there weren't sanctions you saw or tariffs, you saw even more growth. <laughs> so in, in ag- so some of the things the U.S. is bringing in, solar panels, steel, um, that actually hurt U.S. industry. But in other places, in August, President Trump announced when he was upping the tariffs against China, increasing the trade war around to, we're going to hit China with more tariffs. He said, but we're not going to put tariffs on consumer goods, electronics, toys, because Christmas season is coming. Sure. And God forbid uh, any of our voters get upset. So that gets to the second question. What can we do? Trade is determined by the private sector making decisions where to buy and to invest. But it's also made by consumers. People listening to this broadcast, if they're really that concerned about China, have the ability when they go to Costco or Canadian Tire to exercise their power of the purse and send a signal. Chinese consumers do that. Chinese consumers go out and boycott foreign products when there is a tiff between their country and China. And academic research has shown that only about a third of those boycotts are directly influenced by the federal government. So Chinese consumers are willing to stand up for their country. But when we had the two Michaels, you saw Canadian consumers continue to buy more from China. So it starts at home. And by home, I mean the homes of listeners listening here. If you're really that concerned, um, it's in it's in the hands of not just business. You can't blame the Trudeau government. You can't blame large corporations. Part of that blame is shared if you're going to blame people. Um, but part of the explanation lies with um, lies with consumers as well. You make such a good point. We talk about that all the time, and people always say, "Well, I try and shop around me." But ultimately, it is very hard to do, Carlo. If you're in the store and you're looking at two products, and one of them costs half as much as the other, as altruistic as you might be, and as how committed to the fight you might be ultimately you you speak with your wallet right i mean that and and people continually make the choice for the cheaper goods understandable but there's a consequence to that exactly and again the the comparison i use is china this great work on boycotts by chinese consumers and um they exercise that power and a country where people have less money obviously the standard of living is lower per capita gdp is lower um 
but you know consumers will exercise choice um and in the u.s too american farmers backed president trump's um trade war with china not every single farmer but you do the polling and it shakes out that you know significant number majority over 50 percent whatever of farmers um supported the trade sanctions and yes they were made whole but between being made whole and so, there was and, and the sanctions coming in, there was some suffering, but they still were willing to make that sacrifice. As with Canadian consumers, I don't know if Canadian farmers are willing to make that sacrifice. Partially, probably because they don't trust Ottawa. Partially because we don't have our Ministry of Agriculture isn't the U.S. Department of Agriculture, which hands out checks right and left. So that may contribute to it, but it's harder then it's made out to seem. It's not as simplistic as we just need to take an action and all our problems will be solved. It, it, it's really complicated, and there are multiple add-on effects, yeah, as, and, as you mentioned. Yeah, and like you say, you know, I mean, Trump very conscious of uh, bringing in sanctions on, doesn't want to get himself into trouble with um, the home audience. China has the same consideration, right? Like, they, they'll make their decisions based on where they levy sanctions or put in any kind of uh, measures based on what will be the least painful for their own population because we know like you say the standard of living isn't the same they don't want to have a situation where you know food is in shortage or things like that so those calculations are made on the other side of the coin too exactly exactly and uh, you see this is it's standard operating procedure in 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 trade management um when we when the americans impose tariffs on Canadian steel and aluminum, we impose tariffs on Harley-Davidson's and bourbon. Um, so those are targeted to go to Senate and congressional districts where we thought it would have some influence. Um, so that sort of calculation and refinement of where to apply tariffs um, is, is fairly standard practice. Okay, last one, I'll let you go. What are you expecting? What are you anticipating? What are you watching for? Where do you think we go from here? I think if looking at the Australian case and looking at the 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 issue of the three M's, um, you you will probably see a continuation of the standard retaliation uh, tit for tat. But what gives us hope is that the response has been very measured and very professional uh, by the by, by foreign affairs and by the government. Um, it's not out of hand. They're not succumbing to calls for, for rhetoric. Um, obviously, the issue of political, not interference, but political intimidation um, raises the bar and makes things more complex. But I think in the longer term, we have no choice. Um, China is the largest economy yep. on the planet in terms of purchasing power parity. They're the largest consumer, but also producer of much of what we export in Canada. So at some point in time, this isn't a one-day issue. This isn't a news cycle issue. This is decades or generational. And I think given that perspective, as with Australia, you'll eventually find your way to um, to, 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 to working through this. And, and Carl, that's what we've always been told about China, right? They played a long game here and to get us to the position where we become dependent on them in so many ways economically. I mean, this has been coming for a long, long time, and we've just walked right into it. I don't think 
that China actually did it. Uh, we tend to think of China as this evil genius. We right. give them way too much credit. <laughs> they're a bureaucracy, a huge, <laughs> a huge bureaucracy. At the end of the day, they're, they're not some malevolent geniuses. Um, they're bureaucrats, uh, just, uh, just, just as our government is. A slightly different formation, but at the end of the day, they're not as omniscient. They're not as smart as we think they are. And they didn't lead us into, uh, I don't okay. think they led us into dependency. Um, we led ourselves there. Um, the money was good, but you know, China doesn't want um, dependency. Dependency comes with cost. It comes with responsibilities. So I, I, I think it's just the natural evolution. The same way we wound up, you know, making ourselves dependent on the U.S. and having the U.S. hold us by the short and curlies. Um, it's not that bad with China. It's not that bad with China. If we can survive the U.S., we can survive China. All right. Okay. Some positivity there. Thanks for it, Carlo. I appreciate it.